Welcome to our Baby on the Brand series, where we bring awareness to Canadian female entrepreneurs, influencers, musicians, and boss babes who are in prevailing and fascinating careers, breaking the mold in their respective industries, building communities, empowering women, and are showing other Canadian babes that hard work, perseverance, and loud voices pays off. We hope that our series will inspire you as you build your own successful empire and pave the way for your own revolution. Get inspired, feel empowered, and get to know more about the babe beyond the brand. Like many entrepreneurs, this babe started her business as a side hustle while working full-time in the children mental health field. As time progressed and her creative drive allowed her to keep pushing boundaries, expanding and evolving until she was finally able to leave her career and invest her time completely in her brand. She has built a million dollar business on Instagram with products found throughout Canada and in the States, has influencers dying to work with her, and she might know a thing or two about collaborating with like-minded women and has utilized her platform to nurture and foster relationships with customers, biz owners, and followers like myself who are dying to know her secrets. Please welcome the colorful, sassy and sweet, not to mention damn well pretty, Kelly Brooks from Pretty By Her. Hello, here I am. Hi Kelly, how are you doing on this beautiful Monday morning? I'm, I'm good, I'm feeling recharged and ready for the week actually, which doesn't always happen on Mondays. No, that's right. I mean, the weather's getting warmer, restrictions are coming to an end. We have nothing but positivity coming on. I know, I know. I'm really looking forward to it. It's amazing what that spring fresh air can do to your mood and motivation level. It's, it's going to be a good spring. So tell us, for those that don't know, what is Pretty by Her and what was your initial business concept? So Pretty by Her is something that really evolved over time. Initially, I didn't really have any idea what I was getting myself into. I never in a million years thought I would own a business because I knew nothing about business. I didn't even take a business course in high school because I had literally zero interest in business. Um, but I've always been super, super creative. And so um, my kind of initial passion in life was to help be a helper, help people. So uh, my education and work experience uh, led me to a position where I was working with families in the children mental health sector. And I loved my job. Like it's exactly what I had pictured myself doing since I was 16 years old. Um, and so in 2016, somebody suggested that I just put some of my creative projects up on Etsy. And so I was like, okay, like I, I'm going to I'm going to give this a try. And so my expectations were low. I didn't really have much expectations. I just sort of was like, well, if nobody buys my stuff, like um, Etsy is a platform. It's a small investment. The products that I make are um, like the overhead to get started was low. So I wasn't risking much financially just to kind of pop some things on Etsy and see how it goes. So that's sort of where it started. And I actually started with... Um, stationery with um, greeting cards in my Cricut. So I would like cut out, I got a Cricut for my uh, Cricut machine for my birthday that year. So I would cut out little balloons um, like with scrapbooking paper in my Cricut and tape it all together and hand stamp, you know, happy birthday on the card. Um, and so that's sort of where it started. The reason um, I chose, I wanted to keep pretty by her pretty open in terms of like the name, in terms of like things to evolve. Um, so that was sort of one of my initial intentions was just to kind of let things evolve where they would. And if that ended up being nowhere, that was okay too. Now that's where I kind of want to get into a little bit, Kelly, like where did the name pretty by her come from? Yeah. Okay. So the pretty by her came from, it took me a while, actually, it was like six months earlier. I wanted to start a business and I couldn't land on a name that I really loved. So I was like, okay, what do I know about this business? I know that I love to make pretty things. So that's where the pretty part came from. And I knew that I wanted, at the time, I didn't know what a brand was. I did not understand that, but I knew that myself as a woman, 
I wanted that to be a part of the business. Um, and so that's where the her part came from. And so as the business evolved, that's, that's very much, um, that name has been sort of the foundation of continuing to incorporate pieces of myself as a woman and my values um, into the business. Well, I love the name. It's so simple, but yet so feminine. And it's it's nice that you do have the option to be able to expand like as you have um, to include, you know, different products and different features and and that, you know, you could really evolve it and take it to places that, you know, I mean, especially starting out in 2016 from stationary to where it is now, like, um, you know, the possibilities were endless in that capacity. But I want to talk about this, Kelly, because like I said, 2016 is when you started. And when I go back to my Instagram from 2016, I cringe. And I'm sure we all do looking at the pictures and being like, you know, like there was not even a caption. There were no hashtags. No one was even tagging anybody in it. And so social media was such a different world than it is now. So I'm just so curious if you can like kind of talk about your journey as a business owner selling in 2016 and what that looked like in the digital space. Yeah. So in 2016, I exclusively sold on Etsy. So I had an Instagram account, which was um, embarrassing. <laughs> when I look back at my posts, there would be like two people liked it. And it would be like my mom and my best friend. Um, so I, I exclusively initially sold on Etsy and it, it's a slow, it was a slow start. Like it's, it isn't like overnight, all of a sudden you have all of these sales. So it's like, I remember celebrating the first time I got two sales in one day. Like it was just like such a celebration. And so it, it really in those kind of initial, in that initial period, it was celebrating those really, really small um, successes. And over time, I started to kind of up my Instagram game. And that happened um, when I, that happened simultaneously at the time that I quit my day job. Um, I had always been really mindful and intentional about the elements of myself that I shared on a public platform because the boundaries are way different when you're working like in doing community work. I didn't want my clients to stumble across my business platform um, and, you know, learn all of these personal details about myself. So when I made the decision to leave my day job and run the business full time, that was sort of where I felt comfortable adjusting those boundaries to be able to put more of myself out there publicly. And I think that was sort of the catalyst of the kind of big shifts in terms of um, my Instagram following, but then in terms of the way that I was um, securing uh, revenue was now through the personal connections that I was making on Instagram, as opposed to people stumbling across uh, my product on Etsy. Now, yeah. getting back to the social media aspect, Kelly, because I'm just, I'm so intrigued about what life looked like back then for, um, for makers and creators like yourself. So Etsy was, and it still is a huge makers platform and you did have tremendous success, mm -hmm. but how did you make yourself stand out on this competitive online marketplace? So I really focused on, I spent a lot of investment of my time upfront when I was developing Etsy um, to ensure that, so what I did was I did a lot of research uh, in the Etsy forms in terms of like making sure I was like creating listings that were going to have the best chance of being found. You know, if somebody's searching like funny mom birthday card, um, I spent a lot of time searching uh, search engine optimization and researching SEO through Etsy, through the Etsy forums, through their kind of how-to guides. Um, a, if we're talking about greeting cards, a design that when somebody typed in funny mom card, they weren't going to find 50 variations of this exact same card. So focusing on really trying to create content um, or create products that were different from what other people were doing in my competitive space was a huge part of it. Kelly, how did you recognize and realize that you were ready to go in full time? So I never planned on this. I never, ever, I only ever planned on that being a side hustle. And so, but 
I realized that I was actually quite good at business and I, I was really um, motivated by the concept of the harder I work for myself, like the more money would go in my pocket. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like that kind of gave me the fuel to just like keep developing, keep developing, keep developing and growing this business to the point where I found that I had two full-time jobs. Um, and I was exhausted and I was burning out and I felt like I wasn't giving a hundred percent to either career, which is not, um, like that's not my work ethic. Like I am fully invested in, I was fully invested in my career and mental health and I found myself just burning out. So I, one thing I had to do was be very financially intentional about when I decided to make the switch because my, I didn't, I, I was a single woman you know, paying off my OSAP and paying rent and, and doing everything by myself. I didn't have a second income as like a safety net for making that adjustment. So I, I basically waited until <laughs> I basically waited until my um, business income was the same as my social work income. Um, and that was to the point to which I made the shift was when I felt like I, okay, I'm making enough with this business now that I will be able to pay my bills um, was sort of the moment in combination with the fact that I knew that like I couldn't keep up what I was doing for much longer. Did you find that you had a good support system around you? Like, I just, I find that our generation has been so ingrained by our parents, you know, encouraging us and, and trying to like lead us in the path of an actual and I say actual career in, in air quotes. Um, and so I think that it's so important when you have a support system, who's going to encourage you regardless, but I'm really curious about what yours looked like. I did. I absolutely did. I think I recall there being a little bit of like, Oh, <laughs> are you sure like that, that, that you're ready for this sort of thing when I made that decision? Um, but, but also I think the people in my life understood that I'm somebody who doesn't make impulsive decisions, like impulsive life decisions. I, there was that level of understanding that if this is the decision that I made, it's because I really, really thought about it and weighed out, um, sort of the scenarios of what will happen if things go well, what will happen or thing, what will happen if things go as I expect them to, what if they don't go as I expect them to. And my thing was always that like my education and experience wasn't going to disappear just because I was shifting gears into another career. I always knew that I could go back to that field if either um, the business didn't kind of um, continue to come to fruition as I hoped for, or if I just decided that I missed that work and that I didn't love the business anymore, I always knew that I could make that shift back. And I, I continue to know that I can make that shift back if that's what I ever chose to do. Yeah, I think that's really important to reiterate that, you know, we're not dispensable in the fact with our careers. You know, we still have that education and now more than ever, there are lots of careers available and there's lots of jobs. And so, you know, if things don't work out or if, you know, we find that there is that financial shift that we do need to go back even part-time that that option is still there. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's fast forward a little bit. So we're getting out of 2016, we're moving into 2017, 2018. Did you have a website now built at this time? Like, were you still on Etsy? Were you evolving to, to grow to a website as well? Or did Instagram, like when did Instagram kind of come into play too? Yeah. Okay. So what happened? What did the timeline sort of looks like? I opened at the beginning of 2016. Um, things really were super slow that first year. Um, and then in 2018, I released mugs. So what I ended up doing for anybody who's listening, who's, who's not familiar, I ended up realizing very shortly into the business that if I taught myself how to use digital design programs like Photoshop and Illustrator, that I could make amazing cards um, digitally mass print them and be able to make way more cards in a way shorter time period and sell more for less, 
um, like for less cost to create them. And so I was like, oh yeah, that seems like a no brainer. So I spent hours and hours and hours on the internet teaching myself how to use Photoshop and Illustrator to be able to do that. Um, so that was a game changer when I figured out how to, um, create products, products digitally. And then when I, when I decided to start selling mugs, that was the really big shift. And that's sort of where I solidified the sassiness of my brand. Um, and so I had a little bit of an Instagram following, I think maybe like a thousand people. Um, and I posted one of my, uh, I posted a mug that I'd made for myself, the Fresh Out of Fox mug. And so many people were like, oh my gosh, where can I buy that? Where can I buy that? Where can I buy that? And I was like, oh, okay. People want this. People like the sass. I'm going to do more of this. And so I continued to utilize Etsy. I, I put my mugs on Etsy and it was sort of um, that the introduction of mugs is what shifted my revenue to the place where I would be able to um, support myself with this business. So um, I started developing a bit of a following um, and I realized, so it all happened at the same time that I quit my day job, which was in uh, September, 2018. I realized that I was paying Etsy a huge premium um, for customers that were finding me through Instagram. So people would find me through Instagram. And then I would say like, here, you can buy this on Etsy. And then I'm paying Etsy's very uh, generous to Etsy <laughs> transaction fees um, when I didn't need to be. So at that point I was like, okay, it's actually time for you to figure out um, a new website. But I didn't have the time to do that when I was still working full-time. So when I quit my day job, that was the first thing I did was um, switch my platforms over to uh, my sales platform to Shopify. So while we're on the topic of mugs, Kelly, we need to just continue this conversation because obviously many of us are obsessed with pretty things with flat out, no bullshit honesty written on them. Like a mug that would say, don't be a fucking prick with a cactus on it or one of your famous basic bitch candles versus our parents, you know, having a candle that would say like gone fishing or yeah. a candle that looks like it's from the dollar store with wick that no longer smells, right? Like, I'm just like, why have these ridiculously sarcastic candles, mugs, and stationery become a lasting trend that we obviously cannot stop collecting? I think it's certainly um, a reflection of just the sense of humor um, that millennials have. And like, I think also the pandemic <laughs> really brought out um, the spirit in all of us as we try to cope with, um, you know, the, <laughs> the hellish uh, circumstances of the world. Um, and so I do really feel like humor is a great um, coping strategy um, for maintaining good mental health and in, in, um, coping with difficult things in life. And so I, I think that the pandemic really amplified the value in those types of products. Um, and especially to with products that people can use from home, right? Like people started um, working from home so they could finally use that mug that had a bad word all over it to be able to um, enjoy their coffee because they're not at their workplace. And so I think there were a number of factors that sort of like contributed to this being less of a trend and more of just like an ongoing um yeah, an ongoing thing for people. Now I want to talk about when you decided to expand your business to go from e-commerce to opening up a retail space. Yeah. So that was also unexpected. Um, okay. So I, after Christmas, 2019 or through Christmas of 2019, I was still selling, I was still operating out of my house and it was a disaster. Um, at that point, I was making candles. My kitchen was covered in wax. There were candles everywhere. I would set up six feet, six foot tables in front of my television. And then like when I'm trying to enjoy Netflix at the end of the day, I had to, I had to look over hundreds of candles to my television <laughs> um, and try to ignore like the chaos of the fact that I ran a business out of my house. And so I realized that that was having a tremendously negative impact on my mental health. And I was like, okay, I have to get, I have to get the business out of this house. So in 2020, actually the timing was a bit stressful. 
I, I had secured a commercial studio space, which was great. And my lease was set to start April 1st, oh my goodness. 2020. And like, so literally it was like a couple of weeks before that is when the whole world locked down. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh no, what have I done? I was freaking out because at that point of the pandemic, nobody knew, like everything was unknown and uncertain. Mm-hmm. And so I was stressing out and was like, I'm just going to figure this out. Um, And so it actually ended up being exceptionally good timing because um, especially in those initial stages of the pandemic, there was such a boom of support small, make sure your favorite local businesses survive and thrive through the pandemic. And so um, it it worked out being really, uh, really good that I had timed that with the commercial space. And so what was cool is that in less than a year, I had grown out of that space. Um, and it's funny because, so I, I recently, I guess last year at this time, so March, 2021, I expanded into two other units, which are sort of combined into one big unit within my plaza. And when I was originally touring commercial spaces, that one was available. And I, I remember they were like, okay, well, you're here. Do you want to just see the other units that are available? And I was like, yeah, sure. And I walked through it and was like, oh no, this is way too much space. I do not need this. Mm-hmm. Get me out of here. I, I can't, this is so much space. And so I went into a unit five and was like, oh, this is more appropriate for like where my business is at. And so I, um, last year I expanded into units one and two as well, um, which I had originally toured and been like, no, 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 this is way too big. Um, so unit one and two, it literally at some point they must have, well, there, there's two doors that are right beside each other and you can walk in either door and it's just one big open space, but it's a corner unit. So there's so much natural light and there's a room which was used as an office before just, um, off kind of the front entrance and there's so much natural light. It's beautiful. And I was like this. I imagine nothing else for this space than a little shoppable space for people to come and check things out. And so it actually was more just the space that inspired me to um, open a little shoppable space. So it's right at the front of our production studio, which is perfect because I don't have to staff a retail space. Um, You know, if it's a quiet day and we don't have many customers coming by, the team is just doing other things. Um, so it worked out really well and it's so, so, so nice to connect with people in person. Like to think that you started your business on Etsy and now to see how much it's grown to where it is today, that's a huge pat on the back to you. That's incredible. It's been a lot of, I never would have guessed how much hard work and sacrifice, um, it is. It's so hard. It's so, so hard. So rewarding, but um, it's, it's hard work to, to start and grow a business. So I feel exceptionally proud about, uh, myself because, um, I put a lot of love and sacrifice into this business. Well, it makes you a little bit more humble too. Like even when you're saying, when you got those two orders in one day kind of thing to be like, yes, okay. You know, I'm, I'm attracting customers. I'm doing something right. And then, you know, when you're seeing later on multiple orders and having huge successful days, I think it just, it's better to start that way because you, then you remember where you come from, which is like, for the most part, most small business owners, um, you know, like you have to start small and you have to start somewhere in order to appreciate the success that you have down the road. And I think honestly, like if I had started my business and then had this, the type of volume that, um, I have now, I wouldn't, it wouldn't have gone very well because I had no idea what I was doing. Like it, it wouldn't have been favorable to like the, the brand and the reputation of my business because I would, it would have been a hot mess trying to figure out the processes and systems and ordering supply. Like it very much worked that it's a gradual thing in terms of like, I got to learn a little bit at a time over the course of a period of time to perfect kind of each Um, stage of business growth, if that makes sense. It completely makes sense to me because I'm a mom. It's like having, it's like jumping from the baby stage to a toddler stage or a kid stage. Like it's just like that. It's a slow transition, although it seems very, very fast at times. Um, but it's just like having a baby and you slowly end up learning about them. You understand what their likes and dislikes are and, and everything like that. It's, 
Yeah, I can, I can completely understand it from that level. Now, when did you end up hiring your first employee? Because you said you have a team and I'm assuming that you are not a one woman show no more. No. So I actually hired my first employee when the business was still in my house. Um, I had a couple of people who were helping me part time. And then when I made the decision um, to move the business out of my house, at that point, I didn't have any employees. Um, but I knew I needed to hire somebody. So I sat down and did interviews the same time, March of 2020. Um, and then I was like, oh no, I don't want to have somebody leave their job if I don't know if I'm going to be able to continue to operate. And then I would have to lay somebody off if like, if truly I wasn't able to leave the house to go to work because of lockdown restrictions. So I just, um, I held out. So uh, July of 2020 is when um, sort of my first full-time person came on board. And then the team has just continued to evolve since then, adding more and more staff. How many employees are you at now? Um, so we're in a bit of a transition period right now because we've had a couple of people leave for maternity leave who haven't been replaced. But there's about... Like typically this time of year, there'll be four of us that are full-time and then um, three uh, part-time people. Good for you. Yeah, That's amazing. It is pretty amazing to not have to do all of, all of the things by myself now. Yeah. And then start allocating it off to other people and, and yeah. you get to focus on the things that you enjoy and you get to do things like this and yeah. 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 Pretty cool, right? Like they're just, my team is operating right now. Orders are getting, like, as I sit here at home having this interview with you, Yeah, they're fulfilling orders. They're making candles. They're doing all of the things. So it's pretty cool. All right, Kelly, next I want to talk about wholesaling. When did you decide that you were ready to wholesale your products? Um, when somebody asked me. <laughs> I, I actually... I'm not sure if this was just an intrinsic uh, piece of information that I just naturally had when I started the business or if I read it somewhere. But initially when I was deciding, because I think this is a mistake that a lot of small businesses make is when you're initially pricing your products, people price them you like your profit margins for retail and not for wholesale. So right from the get-go, I priced my products, like the retail price of my products to provide the room for a wholesale discount. So somebody had initially reached out being like, Hey, like, do you do wholesale? And I was like, yeah, because I already had um, the pricing structure in there to account for like a 40 to 50% discount for wholesale. So it was just when the first person approached me and then just over time, more people would, would connect with me and, and see if I did wholesale. And, and so that's sort of how wholesale uh, took off. Did you ever end up having to reach out to businesses? Really? No. Yeah, no. I And I think that's a reflection of good product. Yes. The quality of my product was really great. Um, and then like the originality uh, and the designs, like it was, it, I think it's just, I did all of the work to create really amazing products and, and they sold themselves in that capacity in that sense. So um, yeah, so still to this day, I haven't had to reach out to anybody and say like, Hey, look, will you carry my stuff in your store? Hashtag goals, Kelly. Uh, was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I recently had Erica Martian from Baron Fox Apparel. I hope that many of my listeners listen to that episode because it was one of my favorites. Um, she recently went through one of the scariest social media nightmares that many business owners hope never happened to them. And that was that she got hacked. You jumped in immediately, Kelly. And I noticed that. And I was like singing your praise because I thought there is another business owner coming to the rescue of another women led business. And you wanted to help her rebuild her platform by putting on a giveaway. Yeah. What a woman for woman selfless act to do. Thank you. Yeah, I was like, this is awful. How can I help? Um, and she didn't ask me to do that. I was just like, mm -hmm. I, I need to, I need to support my fellow businesswoman right now because it's literally, it's my worst business nightmare is losing my Instagram platform. Um, so yeah, so I was just like, okay, we, I'm going to help you get back there in whatever way that I can. 
Yeah, I thought that was amazing. And when I see businesses like coming right to the rescue, like I said, helping another another business owner, um, it just it makes my heart so happy because like that not only is a total Canadian thing to do, but it just goes to show you how how incredible the social media community is and mm-hmm. how it doesn't matter whether you're near or far. We're we can all help in some way, shape, or form. And, and Kelly, I just I just had to point that out because I thought that was really amazing of you to do that. It is it's pretty magical the connections that can be built. I had never met Erica before. Like we were connected through Instagram as being, you know, two business owners, but at that point I had never met her before. And so um it's yeah, it it the power of relationships that can be built on these platforms is pretty cool. It's so true. I know I talk about it all the time. Now, one thing that might top getting hacked that has been around before social media and will always be a problem that we sometimes forget as a business owner is getting stolen from and being the owner of a brick and mortar, your store actually got broken into a couple months back, Kelly. And I have to say your humor around the whole thing um, was applaudable, but I'm sure that you were like, when it all happened, you were like crying and screaming and angry and, and everything, but you just, you related so well to your followers on social media. And I remember just thinking like this poor woman, like, oh my gosh. And yet you were just, you're you're like, at least they didn't take the COVID tests. Oh yeah. I mean, I can find a silver lining anywhere. Yes. So I think that, yeah, so it was two days before Christmas. It was the 23rd of December um, that the break-in happened. And uh, this is one of the examples where my two careers sort of um, really kind of came together because of my work. I used to do crisis work. And so I'm very good in a crisis. Um, so when the news came in, like I woke up that day to a picture from the property manager saying, bad news, Kelly, uh, your, uh, store has been broken into. And it was just like the smashed glass. And so I just like, I was like, okay, I don't even actually remember responding to him. (laughs) I guess I did, but I was just like, I said, okay, I'll be right there. I put myself together. I went like, I, I assessed the situation. I prioritized what I needed to do. Um, and like in those initial first, um, kind of 20 minutes of being there and figuring out what I was working with and then through the day and then through the coming days. And so, um, I always, I personally, as a coping strategy, I use humor to make light of really crappy situations. And so this was no different. Um, I did also choose to, not let this destroy my mental health. Like it was a choice. It was right before Christmas. And I just was like, you know what? I can't do anything to change this right now. This sucks. All I can do is work towards getting things back up and running again. Um, and then making some good content out of it. Like with the rapid test being like, they didn't steal the most valuable thing because that at that, it was like that week where like everyone wanted a rapid test to yes. be able to test to spend time with their families. And so like, I actually am so happy to take the rapid test. But interestingly, they actually didn't break into the store. Like it's all connected, but they didn't, they didn't touch the brick and mortar. They, they touched the um, production side. So they took all electronics. Like they took all of our computers, our iPad. Um, and I had some expensive computer equipment. Um, so they made out with like, quite a a jackpot of um, computers, but um, I was so grateful that they didn't touch inventory. Like they could have smashed all my candles or they could have ripped apart and like stole all the jewelry and ripped apart like the retail space and they didn't, Um, which meant that it it was best case scenario for me. So when I was driving to the studio the day that I found out about the break in, that's what I said to myself. I was like, best case scenario, they took the electronics and that's exactly what they did. Um, so in, in, I had insurance, I knew that everything would be replaced and, um, yeah, so it was not, it was not nice. (laughs) Did they end up finding the the people? They didn't. And so it actually, I'm a huge true crime fan and (laughs) turned into my little true, a little like true crime adventure because I had all Apple products. And so actually before I called the police, I called my sister who works for Apple and was like, "Ah, 
somebody stole all of my Apple products. Like, how do I protect my content? Everything was backed up to the cloud. So I wasn't worried about like losing my design files and stuff. So she like walked me through exactly how to like lock all of my devices remotely. And I had find my device enabled. Um, and so like they had turned my iPad on and I got a notification that like my iPad had been located. And then a few weeks later, they turned one of the computers on and got a notification that the computer had been located with an, a direct address, but um, nothing really came of it. I guess like police can't just go like, you can't just break into somebody's house without a warrant and be like, you might have a stolen computer. And so like, it didn't, oh. they didn't end up finding them. But um, I don't know whether that doesn't mean that they're not going to like this. I think it's only if this person continued to do break-ins, which I think they did. Cause there were, um, I don't think it was, this was their first break-in and there had been a couple others like in the immediate neighborhood of my business. Mm -hmm. So, um, I don't know. I also thought about the fact, like I tried to have some compassion as well, because like it, you have to be in a pretty bad place to break into a small business two days before Christmas. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, that person's life wasn't going as, as well as mine was. And so I tried to just be really empathetic and compassionate to that specific element of it. Um, so I didn't take it personally. Kelly, you're a bigger person than I am. Cause <laughs> I, I would not have been happy. And I also would have been like hounding the police, taking my phone, being like, look at, it says right here, this is where they are. You tell me that, that my iPad's text, not in your house. It was great. I was like, oh, oh, I've got a location. I've got a location. And yes. it was like, it, it was. Oh, I would have spiraled. No, good on you for having I know, I was like at one point when they, when the second, when the computer was turned on, it was like a Sunday and I, and the detective was not like the second device was turned on. It was a Sunday and um, the detective was not working. And I was like, should I just like drive by their house? <laughs> and I was like, no, Kelly, that would be ridiculous. <laughs> Don't do that. Let the That's police hilarious. do job. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, Kelly, this is actually a great transition into my next question too, because that this is one thing I love about you. And that's that you're, you're so open with your followers and customers and people getting to actually see the face behind the brand, which I really love. And I, I also love when women do introductions or they share their face on Instagram stories and talk to their followers and showcase themselves wearing or using their products. And you've really grown and evolved to be transparent and honest with your online community. How did you get comfortable with getting personal on social media? Because I know a lot of us aren't extroverts. A lot of us, you know, like we showcase our products and that's it. Um, and, I, and I just, I want more people to kind of learn from you to be able to do that. Because I think that when you have that connection with your followers, that just creates more of a personal relationship. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting because I'm, I'm fairly introverted um, I'm super bubbly and social, but like that people don't, people watching my stories don't recognize that that's actually out of my comfort zone. Like that part showing up, putting my face, telling these stories, um, is not my comfort zone. It's always been something that I've sort of had to just accept would never be my favorite part of the job. Like I recognized, um, that it was working that, that I was building these relationships and relationship building has always been one of my strengths. Um, always, 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 I've been really good at connecting with people and building relationships. Um, but I, I certainly didn't enjoy, you know, seeing my face on there and listening to my voice when I would like rewatch stories or whatever. But I think it was really just um, accepting the fact that like, this is who I am. If people don't like it, if people think I have a stupid voice, they can, they don't know to watch my stories. They can move along. Or if people don't like my values or if people don't mm -hmm. like my content or if people don't like my face, I don't know. They, I just was like, this is the space that I've created for myself and people can come or people can go or people can go and then come back, which sometimes they do. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, it's just something that I kind of, grew more and more comfortable with over time. Um, certainly the feedback that I would get from followers, if I would share a story and then, you know, my inbox would be filled with, oh my gosh, this just brightened my day. This was so funny. Or like, I'm also having one of those weeks. Like that part really encouraged me to, to continue 
putting myself, you know, stepping outside the box and putting myself out of my comfort zone to kind of share this personal content because I saw that um, customers were really, or followers were really relating to it. And that was really valuable for me. I mean, I've had other business owners on my podcast where I'm like, why don't you show your face? Like you, you've got such a great personality and they want to separate their brand from themselves, which I mean, it's, it's totally a personal preference, but I just think that we are growing in, uh, in social media and people want to actually know who's behind that account. They want to get to know who the person is selling those products and their favorite, their favorite scrunchie or their favorite candle or, you know, the clothing. Like, I just think like, it's so important. And I remember it sounds really silly, but I remember like, I was a huge Mary Kate and Ashley fan mm-hmm. and I loved when, like I bought all of their stuff. And one thing that always kind of ticked me off was that I never saw Mary, which sounds like so silly. I never saw Mary Kate and Ashley wearing their own clothing line. You never, like you, I never saw them wearing it. And it always kind of like, even at a young age, I always noticed that being like, well, why are you showcasing your products and like real girls wearing real clothes, but I don't see Mary Kate and Ashley sporting them. And so I just always think it's really important when, you know, someone from the business will actually go out in their own clothes and sport their own clothes and be the, or, or feature women in the community, like in their own communities wearing or, or uh, utilizing their products. And that's something that I'm going to be building down the road as well with an apparel line. And, and I just want to kind of showcase that, that, you can definitely have models and you can definitely have people, but also show yourself too wearing and representing your brand. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's an important piece. And, and again, I, the name pretty by her, that her part was the foundation of the brand. And so like, I, I, anytime I'm like, oh, is this too personal? I think you intentionally made this choice for your brand to like really show up authentically Mm -hmm. as who you are. And I think it's a continuum, like the degree to which people are comfortable kind of mixing their, their person um, and their, you know, the private details of their life with their business. Um, There's no right or wrong way to do it. It's, it's depends on what your comfort level is, but I do agree that people love to know who they're buying from. I think that the relationships that I built were a huge part of why I thrive so, so much through the pandemic because people, I, I wasn't just some faceless business. I was a woman with a, a cat to feed, a cat that everyone really loved. And so like it, it was, people are like, oh my gosh, well, we have to make sure Pretty by Her does okay. Like I'm going to buy gifts for all my friends. And, and so I think that it is a very valuable um, piece to at least give a little bit of yourself um, a little taste of who's running the business, even if you're not comfortable fully divulging, you know, a bunch of personal details of yourself. Absolutely. And then people will, you know, also be invested in you and your personal life because they want to see Willis, your cat. They want to see my daughter. They want to, you know, hear how my pregnancy is going, you know, like they, they really get invested and it becomes more than just a business at that point. Like, friendships are developed and maintained and you really get to know, you know, someone's personal life. Like even with you, Kelly, like, I mean, I feel like even talking to you, I've known you for, for so long, but that's because you share so much, which I appreciate. And, uh, and I know that a lot of others do too. Thank you. Next, I want to focus on the fact that you've built a million dollar business, Kelly, from the ground up, and you've partnered with the Makers Collective to create the Level Up Builds Your Brand on Instagram. Now, I don't want to give away all your secrets because we want to drive people to invest in this course, but can you tell us a little bit about how you increased your influence, income, and platform organically and through community development with absolutely zero ad spend? Yeah. Yeah, You guys listen to that. (laughs) I know. I haven't. And I, and I, I just actually did a bunch of strategic planning for my uh, for marketing this year, because I've, I've got more capacity to invest um, time and money into that. And, and I still am not planning to do paid advertisements. I think I, it really was using the free platforms available to me, primarily Instagram, to build these relationships, to share my product, to share my story. Um, it worked exceptionally well, authentic authentically showing up as myself in addition to having high quality products, like spending a lot of time in the design process and in the brainstorming process so that I was creating products that were not the same as everybody else's. I think the combination of those two things really, in addition to excellent customer service and um, that the entire experience, like that there's a number of components that I worked at, 
I think like that way, word of mouth has been um, really, really important in people who receive the gifts. You know, if somebody gets my candle, they're like, this is so funny. Uh, and then the, the, you know, the giver of the gift would be like, oh, you have to follow Kelly. Like this is her business. And so, um, yeah, I think it's kind of a number of pieces um, that have contributed. And then again, through building those relationships with people and using Instagram as a platform to connect with people versus just selling my product, um, created an opportunity to uh, identify that a lot of people were wanting um, some tips or help, helpful feedback from me in terms of, you know, starting or growing their own business. And so I just, I realized at that point that like, it was unrealistically, it was unrealistic for me to connect with people on a like individual one-to-one level. Every time somebody asked me um, for some suggestions for some suggestions. And so that's when I started working with the makers collective to see about how, uh, we could take my knowledge and then their skills with like uh, developing uh, educational programs to create something that then I could continue to help people, but in a way that was more feasible um, for myself. So is this a live training or, or workshop or is this all pre-recorded that people can register to do? Yeah, it's all pre-recorded. So it's on demand. So you can purchase the course. Um, and you immediately get the, you immediately get the content to then watch at your own pace. That's amazing. What a great, uh, what a great partnership. Yeah, it is great. The Makers Collective for anybody um, who is interested in starting or growing a business, regardless of if you're in the Waterloo region or really anywhere else in the world, um, the Makers Collective is an amazing uh, resource because they do so, so much for the, the small business community. And you don't have to be a maker, um, any small business, um, if you're self-employed, uh, photography, you know, hairstylist, like literally anybody who um, wants to be self-employed. Uh, it's a great resource for them. Well, Kelly, what is one piece of advice that you would give to a small business owner to give her words of encouragement if she is looking to build her own revolutionary empire? Uh, my biggest piece of advice is don't compare yourself to other businesses. So when you're starting out and you know, you, you're getting one sale a day or one sale a week or one sale a month, don't look at the people in your competitive space who are um, who have different outcomes and, and feel discouraged by that. Reframe that as a, you know, I that's what I want to kind of lead up to. And even within people, existing businesses who maybe have been around as long as you, like you, you would expect to be in the same point of business, like all circumstances are different. Like my growth would have been much different if I also had to keep tiny humans alive. Uh, my, the, like the journey of my business would be very different. If I had a second income, I would have been able to leave my day job earlier and reach some of my goals a lot earlier and so on and so forth. So focusing on those little successes, celebrating the day that you get two orders in one day and, um, in continuing to kind of determine your excess, your success you know, internally, as opposed to externally comparing yourself to other businesses, I think is really, really important. I love it. it true words cannot be spoken, Kelly. And it's so true. We have to be able to celebrate the little successes in order to appreciate the larger ones as they come along. And, and just, you know, to even look back and appreciate where we started from and, and that we're the fact that we're doing this because women, you know, there are so many more businesses that are female owned and operated versus males. And so, I mean, I think that we're doing some pretty great stuff. We we're all creative. We're making waves in our industries. Like women are, are just unstoppable. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a, it's a pro it's a process. It's an evolution. Um, and you make mistakes. Failure <laughs> is part of that experience. If you make, if you fail that you're failing forward, you're learning mm -hmm. something, um, you're going to do different next time. And yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. That's right. All right, Kelly, we are going to wrap this up, but before we do, we're going to jump into my rapid 10, always a fan favorite. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. How's your Monday going, Kelly? Is it a punch today in the face or is it a fuck this shit? Uh, it's a punch today in the face day. I'm ready to get shit done. <laughs> what mug are you drinking your coffee out of today? 
Um, I actually was out and about this morning, so I had a Tim Hortons coffee, but when I'm at home, I drink out of my, I actually drink out of my pottery cups, which I make in pottery class, which I don't sell. That's the one creative thing that I do for myself. So when I'm at home, that's what I'm drinking coffee out of. All right. We're going to test your knowledge here, Kelly. Guess your handpicked brands. These lavender eye pillows are great for migraines, sore muscles, and even cramps. That's, aren't you fancy? Ding, 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 ding. That's right. How does your influencer collaboration request work? Um, I have a form online that people can apply if they're wanting to collaborate in some capacity. How many stockists carry Pretty by Her as of today? Okay, so I don't know. Um, <laughs> I just hired somebody to help me with some of the uh, administrative work on my plate. And that's one of the things they're going to do is get an up-to-date list, an up-to-date stockist list. Um, I would say like over uh, probably between one and 200. Oh my gosh. Okay, so definitely more than the 63 you have listed on your website. Yes, yeah, that's outdated. I need to add a number of shops, yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, definitely need some help with that one. Good for you. That's, that's really good. That's amazing. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Approximately how many you are invited to a night of multiple orgasm cards did you sell for Valentine's Day? Oh, I would say maybe 150. That's amazing. That's just one card. That's yeah. just one card. <laughs> All right. We're going back to the guess your handpicked brands again. Okay. You can use this natural product under your belt, under your boobs, and of course, under your armpits. That's undercarriage deodorant. You got it. Tell us about your new unfiltered blog on the way to her. Yes. So I made a decision um, to start to split some of my personal content onto um, a different platform that was still very much on brand. So I called it on the way to her, the her part being the consistent piece of it where I share, continue to share kind of the unfiltered uh, journey of becoming the happiest version of myself. Um, and so that is in an attempt to create better work-life balance for myself. Um, it, it's one of the steps towards uh, accomplishing that was my intention behind splitting some of that content. What's thrifted by her? Thrifted by her um, is a little sister shop to Pretty by Her where I uh, sell or repurpose beautiful little thrifted gems that I find because I love to personally thrift, but I don't need every beautiful thing that I find to keep for myself. Now, Kelly, I know this is not going to be an easy question, but I do have to ask you because I ask every one of my guests, what is one Canadian business boss, babe, that you think everyone should know about? Um, so my answer to that is Abby from Abby Darling. Um, she makes beautiful, beautiful jewelry. Um, she is actually one of the uh, brands that I carry in my retail store. Um, she's the epitome of compassion and warmth and kindness. And she is doing an excellent job using her brand um, for social justice and for advocating for, you know, equity and equality. Uh, and she's just an all around amazing woman. All right. Well, we were going to, we are going to have to go follow Abby, but tell everybody, Kelly, where they can follow you if they aren't already, where they can visit you in person because you are reopening your doors. Is it today? It is today. Yeah. Today. Yes. Today is the day that you're reopening. And uh, so where we can follow you on social media, where we can visit you in person. And of course, let's drive your website as well. Yeah. Okay. So at pretty by her uh, is the business handle at on the way to her is the um, personal blog handle on Instagram. Uh, prettybyher.com is my website. And then we are located at 180 Shearson Crescent in Cambridge, Ontario, uh, unit one. Our unit one door was the one that got smashed with the break-in. So there's no number on it currently just a piece of plywood, um, but I'm hoping that'll change soon. <laughs> We're waiting for our glass. And then of course, prettybyher.com. Yep, prettybyher.com. Yeah. Fantastic. Kelly, this was so lovely. It was so nice chatting with you. And it just was such a pleasure to meet you as well. Likewise. Thank you for having me. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode on the Baby on the Brand series. We will be back again next month with another Canadian babe. So be sure to follow along and stay tuned. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks. Oh, 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 oh,